the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Tonight's message is entitled, Jump in the River. And in this weather, that might not be a bad idea. <laughs> We were we were at one of those fancy lakes. I don't know what was it, what's the real foot or one of those clear water lakes. What's the not the muddy old Arca, Arca Butler Pickwick or something like that? That's got the the cliffs that you can jump off. Heber Springs might have been might have been one of those. Me and my brother and his family and and uh, they got the cliffs you can jump off of. And and me and my my boy Josh, he was about nine or ten, I guess at the time. We were jumping off the little one. It was about three feet off the water, so it was just like, you know, and you're in the water. And uh, Josh, he was working up to the courage. He might have been younger than seven or eight, probably. He was jumping off. He was just having a good time, going back and forth and forth. And I said, well, let me step up on this next one, you know. It was about this much higher, about a foot higher, and I jumped off of it. And I said, jump off of this one, Josh. It's a little higher. He got up there and looked off there. He was like, oh, no, I'm not jumping off yet. He went back to the three-footer. I said, Josh, this is only this much higher. What's the difference? I mean, <laughs> it's this much higher. But he would go to it, and he would look, and I started saying, you can do it, Josh. I was trying to encourage him. And when that didn't work, I called him a sissy and everything. <laughs> and I said, come on, you big sissy. It's just this much higher. You can do it, you know. And, well, I should have, looking back. But he would not jump off. It was just this much higher. I said, you're not even going to notice that much. But he would look at it, and he would just freeze. And so I was so disappointed in, you know, I was like, where's your courage, you know, young man? And then he pointed over there and he said, won't you jump off of that one, daddy? <laughs> it's about 25 foot in the air. I mean, it was way up there. Well, he challenged my manhood. Well, I said, well, let's go look at it. And I'm thinking, oh, Lord, what did I got myself into? We climb, you know, go around all these rocks and we get up and I, and I am kind of afraid of heights. I wasn't afraid of four foot heights, but when I'm 25, I was like, Big old knot in my throat. Well, Josh, <laughs> Daddy, you was telling me that you shouldn't be afraid, that you should have courage, you should believe God. So you know what I did? Well, I don't want to tell you now, because we got to get to our message. No, you know, you won't even remember. I don't even know if you were there. But we're talking about jumping in the river tonight. And God is asking us to take a big leap in our Christianity. A leap of faith, if you will. Turn to Mark chapter 8. Like Kirsty said, you got to believe. God challenges us. I don't know if he calls us a sissy. <laughs> but he certainly challenges us to come outside of ourselves and to trust him. Sometimes you take a leap of faith, right? 
Mark 8, 34. What is God really asking of us in light of all he's done for us? Mark 8, 34. This is what Jesus asked of us. He said, calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, if any of you wants to be my follower, is that anybody in here? We call ourselves followers. We call ourselves disciples. But what is the requirement to be a follower? You must give up your own way. Oh, Jesus, wait a minute now. I like my way. I mean, I was following you good, Jesus, though you said I had to give up my way. That means whatever you thought you should do in life, you turn that over to him and do whatever he thinks you should do in life. That's pretty rough. How can you ask that of me, Jesus? And take up your cross. Well, if I take up my cross, that kind of notates being willing to suffer because when you took up your cross, you certainly suffered. Taking up the cross, I mean, giving you my way and taking up the cross and follow me. You know, when... His disciples followed him. It wasn't a light thing. Most of them left their families behind. They left their businesses. They just took off. And they just followed him. I guess some of them probably took their families with them. But either way, it was no light ordeal. It was a big decision. It's a big decision for some people in in the world right now. If you're in North Korea, for example, and you want to be a disciple of Christ, if you're in one of... The Muslim nations, you're risking your life to take up your cross. You're you're certainly taking up your cross. Now, here in America, boy, we're kind of a, I'm not going to really jump in the river, gang. We're going to stick our big toe in the river. (laughs) Well, God, you know, I don't want to get wet, you know. I've got my good clothes. I've got my Sunday go-to-meeting clothes on. God, what are you asking? I'll just put a toe in. You know, take my sock off first and just. It's like we're like hokey pokey Christians. You put your big toe in, you take your big toe out, you take your big toe in and you shake it all about. You do the hokey, how you do the hokey pokey? And you turn yourself around. That's what my Christianity is all about. (laughs) And I mean. That's if we feel like putting just a toe in. But can you really just put a toe in for Jesus? Is that what he's asking? Y'all tell me. I mean, if we read Mark 8.34, it's like we're, we're saying, Jesus, if you want to be my follower... You know, sign up on Facebook. <laughs> Befriend me on Facebook. God, if you want to be my follower, you need to be where I am. And, and your church needs to be open when, when I need it to be open. And you need, Boy, you need to get more padding on your chairs if you want me to be there. God, if you want to be my follower, you know, you're going to have to give up your way. And it's going to be about me. And I ain't going to have any of this cross stuff. In fact, a lot of churches are taking all references to the blood out because they think it doesn't sound good and it's not conducive to 
people wanting to come to your church. But God, He went the whole way for us, didn't He? He didn't just stick a toe in. He went into the darkest and the blackest tomb of all. With heaped upon Him our sins, our transgressions, our shame. He went the whole way for us. Romans 8.32 says, Since God did not spare His own Son, think about that. His own son. How many of you have children? I bet you get a better sense of what that means than those who don't. Since he did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he give us everything else? Say everything else. Has God withheld anything from us since we've been saved? If he was willing to give Jesus to us, won't he give us everything else we need to be successful? As he gave us his word? like a sword of the Spirit. Like she said, you believe His Word, you confess it, you believe it. It's got power. He's given us His name. <laughs> now, I'm not just giving my name to anybody. My reputation is on the line. You go putting a Guy Sheffield bumper sticker on your car and you're flipping everybody off down the road. But that's what Jesus did. He gave us His name. We're called by His name. And that's got to be tough on his reputation. But he loves us enough to call us by name and give us his name. And of course, he gave us his spirit. He's with us through all this mess and all our junk and all our stuff that we go through. He's right there in the middle of it with us. 1 Corinthians 2.12 says, We have received God's spirit. And if you don't have God's Spirit, then you're not, you don't belong to God, the Bible says. But we have received God's Spirit, not the world's Spirit, so we can know the wonderful things that God has freely given us. We know! If we take time to think about it, we know how good our God is. We know what He has done for us. That's what drew us in the first place. If Jesus died for us, wouldn't it make sense that we would at least live for him? If not, be willing to die for him. Wouldn't it at least make sense that if somebody gave you all, gave their life, that you would live for them? If Jesus says jump, what should we say? And then he would give us the strength to jump that high, wouldn't he? Look at your neighbor and say, we're going to jump in the river tonight. You see, God was the one that jump-started our life. Turn to 2 Kings 13. 2 Kings 13. Staying with the jumping analogy. He jump-started our lives. How many remembers Elijah? He was anointed prophet of God, and then, he, then Elisha took over and had a double portion of Elisha's anointing. Awesome man of God in the Old Testament, used mightily by God. In verse 20, it says, Then Elisha died and was buried. 
So the great man of God has gone. And groups of Moabite raiders used to invade the land each spring. Once, when some of the Israelites were burying a man, they spied a band of these raiders. So they hastily threw the corpse in the tomb of Elisha and fled. You know, they were thinking, we're going to get killed. They were in the middle of digging a grave, I guess, and didn't get it finished. Just don't chunk him over there. And they chunked him in Elisha's grave. But as soon as the body touched Elisha's bones, I mean, Elisha must have been dead for several years. His bones are in there. And the dead man, he revived and jumped to his feet. Say jump. He jumped to his feet because he touched just the bones that had been anointed by God at one time. How much more should we jump that we have the spirit of the living God in us ourselves? <laughs> we, see, we were that dead man. Do you get the analogy? We were that dead man. We were dead in our sins and trespasses and them inbred Moabites. If you read up on the Moabites, they come from a long line of inbred. <laughs> them inbred Moabite raiders called them little demons. The devil himself, that inbred Moabite raider, was on our tail. And because, But because we went down into the grave... With Jesus. When we went down into the grave with Jesus and died to ourselves before we died full of ourselves, thank the Lord. <laughs> thank you, Lord, that I died to myself before I died full of myself. We were revived. We were buried with Christ. And now we are raised to new life like that dead man. Touch the anointed thing. We touch Jesus, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, now dwells in our mortal bodies. He quickened us, made us alive with Jesus. Jump to our feet. Our hearts should be jumping for joy in his presence tonight. We shouldn't be dragging, though these old bodies and this gravity pull on us so hard. And I know the issues. But I'm here to stir you up tonight. I'm here to say, jump back in the river. Get some cooling. Get some refreshing in your life. John the Baptist, when he was a little bitty baby in his mama's belly, what happened when Mary come visiting? They both had big old bellies and they bumped bellies or something and all of a sudden Elizabeth said, Whoa, the baby's jumping in my belly. John the little bitty Baptist. He just knew the presence of his Lord. He, just knew, he was in the presence of his Lord. And Elizabeth said, who am I that the, the mother of our Lord should visit me? The excitement of just being around Jesus. We got Jesus in our heart. We should jump up out of these purple chairs every chance we get to worship him. You know what they did at camp? They would line up outside the sanctuary about 15 minutes before the doors would open. And they would be fighting to get through that crack. They actually trampled a poor girl one time going in. They had to make them stop because somebody was going to get killed. Not, not because they could run in and get the best seat, because they could run in and get down to the altar to be the first one to be praising the Lord. That's the way it should be in here. 
And just in case you're wondering, this area right here is available to anybody. Unless, of course, we're too dignified for that. <laughs> Second Samuel 6.16 says, As the ark of the Lord, the place where God's presence was in the Old Testament, as it entered the city of David, Michael, the daughter of Saul, looked down from her window. When she saw King David, he was leaping, leaping and dancing in the Lord. He was cutting a rug for Jesus, and he was the king. She said, that's undignified for a king. He said, I'll show you worse than this. Hold on, you ain't seen nothing how much I'm going to worship my Lord. That was a man who understood what Jesus had done for him. Well, even Jesus hadn't even been there yet, but he understood what God had done for him. It's no wonder. Psalms 29.6 says that God makes Lebanon's mountains skip like a calf. He makes Mount Hermon leap like a young wild ox. If God can make the mountains leap for joy, who are we? It's like when they said, they, they said tell Jesus, man, you need to calm these people down. He said, if they don't shout, the very rocks will cry out. Do you need a rock to do your praising for you? I'm trying to show you how to jump in the river. I'm trying to show you how to get over your, your Wednesday mully grubs. I'm trying to sh show you how to get victory over your circumstance. I don't care if your truck's broke, if you got people down and sick, if you ain't feeling good. We got a God that promises to take care of all of our needs. All the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. Malachi 4.2 says, For you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. And you will go free, leaping, say leaping, leaping with joy like calves led out to pasture. Have you ever seen little cows come out of the pen when they've been cooped up. I got a video. These are a bunch of old milking cows. Now, they, I didn't bring the ca calves out, the little excited ones, because I want, you know, y'all say, well, that's our youth. Our youth do that. No, we're the more mature cows. <laughs> These are the more mature cows. These are old milk cows. In fact, they're so old, their milk is dried up. And they were fixing to be butchered. And some little tree-hugging girl felt sorry for them and bought them and brought them to a place, to, to a pasture, where they could run in the fields for the first time in their life. They could be free. Sort of like what Jesus did for us. Let's look at that video. Just a little clip.
They ain't even got nowhere to go, and they're just running and happy. Isn't that wonderful? How much more do we have to be thankful for? They're just happy to live another day, and that they ain't going to be a T-bone tomorrow. <laughs> but we got eternal life to look forward to. Oh, this light affliction is but for a moment. But it works for us a far greater way to glory. we got so much to be excited about. We can't look at the problems. It's where you keep your eyes. It's where you keep your focus. We could look at the negative, and we could feel negative. But Philippians says, whatsoever things are lovely, of a good report, whatsoever, if there anything have virtue, anything of a good report, if there's any good things, why don't we think on those? In fact, it says, why don't we keep our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith? Now, if that isn't encouraging, the author, that means he wrote the story of your life. It's already been written. You're just living it out. And if Jesus wrote your story, what are you worried about? You don't trust Jesus? If God gave Jesus and Jesus willingly laid down his life for you, and he wrote the story of your life, and you're doing your best to follow the script, what are you worried about? It's all going to work out. All things work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. It's just a test. If you're going through some hard times, it's just a test. Why don't we just get used to passing the test? You can do it. Look at your neighbor's house. You can do it. You can do it. <laughs> Why shouldn't we leap for joy? He leapt for us. Song of Solomon 2 verse 8 says, Ah, I hear my lover coming. He's leaping over the mountains, bounding over the hills. That's Jesus coming after his bride. I just, I just want to leap up and see what Jesus is going to do next in my life. And I don't have a perfect life. And next tomorrow you may have to be picking me up. You know? But that's what it's all about. Uh, Gary called me to pick me up today. You know, he calls me off and tells me what's going on. Gary says so many good things. I'm not going to share any details of your message, but, but he says so many good things. God's doing so many good things in his life. He's just beginning to expect good things. That's when you get over in the area of you're starting to snowball into the good because you're looking for good to happen. See, you got to turn that ship around. Sometimes that ship is wanting to point down the wrong direction. But you, but with your mouth, it's like a, a rudder on that ship. And you begin to speak good things. You say, I, I see it going this way, but I'm believing it's going that way. Call those things which be not as though they were like God did. Look not to the things which are seen, but to the things which are not seen, which are eternal in the heavens. Change is coming for you. Begin to turn that ship with your mouth. Begin to expect good things. See, God operates on faith. Even if you don't see it, that's a good time to believe it. You know the promises of God. Claim them for yourself. Hold on to them. Begin to expect. Gary said he's got an expectation. Say expectation. 
Psalm 62, 5 says, My soul waiteth thou only upon God, for my expectation is from him. See, that's what I'm waiting on. I'm not waiting on things to get worse. I'm waiting on God. Because my expectation is from the Lord. Turn to Daniel, the third chapter. Jump in the river. Encourage one another so much more as you see that day approaching. Daniel chapter 3, verse 24. I want to show you that even the heathen in the Bible began to look, leap up to see what was God was going to do next. How many knows about Nebuchadnezzar? I like to call him King Nebo. It says in verse 24, he had just thrown the Hebrew boys in the fire. And he says, as he was watching, Nebuchadnezzar jumped up. Say, jumped up. We're talking about jumping up tonight, ain't we? Let me read it out of there. He jumped up in alarm. What's this guy, this God up to now? He said, didn't we throw three men bound hand and foot into the fire? That's right, O king, they said. But look, he said, I see four men. Walking around in the fire, completely unharmed. And the fourth man looked like the Son of God. Man, if that don't hit you on so different, many different levels. He made the, the pagan, heathen king jump up to see what he's going to do. And then come to find out Jesus is in the middle of the fire with them and they ain't even getting hurt. So if you're going through something, trust that Jesus is in the fire with you. He's not going to leave you or forsake you. He's not gone anywhere. Okay, so things you broke down on you, this happened, you lost your job or whatever. Can you picture Jesus up there on the throne going, oh no, well, he's done lost his job now. Call somebody. Who can God? Who can who can we call? Angels. He's not moved. He's in control always. He's got it taken care of. If things don't work out your way, good. Because God's way is better. <laughs> In Mark 10, 50, even blind Bartimaeus jumped up to see Jesus, and he can't even see. <laughs> he said he jumped up. Say, jumped up. So many jump up when Jesus comes around. There was a lame man in Mark chapter 2, verse 12. It said the man jumped up, and he grabbed his mat, and he walked out through stunned onlookers. People couldn't believe it. This man came in on a, on a mat, and now he's picking up his mat and walking out. They were amazed and praised God, exclaiming, we never seen nothing like this before. We never seen nothing like this before. God will amaze your britches off. 
And that was, that was Jesus now. Okay, but well, that was Jesus. But here's a regular old man in Acts 3, verse 7. Regular old fisher guy named Peter. He's using, just using the name of Jesus. He's just using the name of Jesus. And he sparks a whole crowd to leap. And look at this. Verse 7. Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. And he jumped up. <laughs> and you say you can't jump up. We played a song tonight, jumped up. Some of us wouldn't even stand up. I know some of you got reasons. He jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. Then walking and leaping and praising God, he went into the temple with them. And all the people saw him walking, heard him praising God. When they realized that it was the lame beggar that they had seen so often at the gate beautiful, they were absolutely astounded. Our God will astound this world if you'll let him. If somebody will stand up and believe, if somebody will say, come on, brother, get up in the name of Jesus. Somebody will believe God. Isaiah 35, 6 says, the lame will leap like a deer. And those who cannot speak will sing for joy. <laughs> jump up for Jesus. Don't jump up for the devil. I used to jump up for the devil. <laughs> Long time ago. I ain't proud of it. Don't jump up for the devil. Don't jump off for the devil. That's really what he wants you to do. He said, Jesus... You know, up on the t top of the Temple Mount, go and jump off. You know, God will take care of you. He'll, his angels will bury you up. You won't even dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said, I can tell you where to jump off. <laughs> Get behind me, sucker. <laughs> Jesus wasn't playing that. It is also written, thou shalt not tempt the Lord your God. There was a day that I played the sucker. The Lord, the, uh, the devil would, oh, slewfoot, I call him. He'd be telling me to jump, and I'd be saying, how high? Because he was just leading me around like I had a hook in my nose or something. But you know what? Them days is gone. Now he got to pay back sevenfold everything he stole from me. That's what it says in Proverbs. The thief has got to pay back seven times what he stole. And he is the thief of all thieves. That's all he come to do is steal and to kill and destroy. How many knows that song? I went to the enemy's camp and I, I took back what he stole from me. I took back what he stole from me. I took, somebody ought to sing this. Uh, well, I went to the enemy's camp and I, I took back what he stole from me. He's under my feet. He's under my feet. The devil is under my feet. I didn't even know if I remembered the words to that. It's pretty easy. You ain't never heard that. Hey, it's just a song, but it's true. The devil is under our feet. He's not calling the shots. If he's calling the shots in your life, you got a, a misunderstanding about what happened when you gave your heart to Jesus. The devil has no hold over you. You have authority over him. Anyway, another thing Gary told me today, he didn't know that little two-minute conversation was going to get mentioned in the service today, but he said he got stung by a wasp. He said that made him mad, 
But what really made him mad was he didn't get to kill that wasp. That wasp got away. How many feels like that? But he said, that's all right. I know where he lives. I'm going to wait for him to get back home, and then I'm going to get him with some spray. I'm going to kill him and his whole family. And that's what we need to be thinking about, how to just take the devil out, take him and his demons, cast him into that uh, bottomless pit. Let's get this thing over with. You know how to do that? Let's get everybody saved so that we can go home and God can wrap this thing up. But don't give the devil any play. Don't jump when the enemy says jump. I used to run from the devil. I used to run for the devil. Turn to Joshua 8. There was a time when even though I should have been winning the battle, sin in my life and such, that the devil tricked me out of my inheritance. If you remember the story, there was a guy, they went to, the Israelites had crossed over to Jordan with Joshua in the lead, and, and they were uh, supposed to go through and, and whoop all these cities, and the first one they came to was, was it Jericho, and the walls came crashing down, and God said Jericho was kind of like my tithe, you know, all the stuff and all the, the gold and the silver and the cattle and all that, uh, you know, that's mine, put it into my treasury, sort of like the first fruits, an example of you, you giving God the first city, you know, the first tenth. Anyway, so they went in, and they destroyed Jericho. God did a miraculous uh, feat and caved the walls in, just like he said, and they saved the harlot and, and all that. Big uh, God just showing out, you know. But there was one fella who took some stuff. He didn't tithe, his, <laughs> so to speak. He, he took some stuff that belonged to God and hid it in his tent, you know. And so the next city they went to was a little old city called Ai. They should have been able to eat, whoop them easy. They kind of got a little cocky after Jericho, and they only sent a few men. Well, a whole bunch of their guys got killed because God took his hand off of their life because of that one fella that didn't tithe, did, that stole what God said don't touch. Well, anyway, Joshua, he throws a big fit. He's like, God, I can't believe you. you. You had us cross the Jordan. You gave us one little old victory, and now everybody's going to hear we got whooped by a little old city called Ai. And now everybody's going to attack us. It's going to be all over for us, you know. And God says, buck up, boy. You know. He said, it's because you stole from me. And so they got that right. They took care of the, the one who had stole. And then they, this is when they go back to fight Ai the second time. In verse 5, it says, when the, and God's telling them how to do it this time. See, God will give you instructions on how to be successful. you got to hear God's voice. you got to follow His directions. You just can't do, you can't live it. Remember what Jesus said, give up your way. Jesus said, I am the way. Follow me, right? And and doing that, you have to hear Jesus' voice. The voice of a stranger, don't you follow. But Jesus' voice, you follow. You do what he says. It's that, and God's telling Joshua, he said, when our main army attacks, the men of Ai will come out to fight as they did before. And we will run away from them. 
will let them chase us until we've drawn them away from the town. For they will say, the Israelites are running away like they did before. Then while we're running from them, you jump up from behind an ambush and take possession of the town. For the Lord, will go, your God, will give it to you. And set the town on fire as the Lord has commanded. You have your orders. God showed them how to do it, and they whooped AI like it wasn't nothing. Tore them up under God's instructions. They're not running from the enemy no more. Not running from the enemy. If you got God on your side, you right with the Lord, you doing what he says, you and the Lord will win every battle. Sin used to cost me so much. You know, sin has wages, has a payday. The wages of sin is death. Doesn't mean, if you know, you sin one time, you're going to die. It means but you're dying a little bit on the inside. It, it's, it's separation. Death in its most pure form means separation from God, doesn't it? Because God is life, and the farther you get away from him, you're dying. That makes sense? So the wages of sin is death. Sin separates you from God, so you're heading in the wrong direction. If you ever thought about it like that, it just came to me. But sin used to have its way in my life. Turn to Numbers 25. Is any of this making sense? Going to jump in the river? Numbers 25, verse 6. Man, you got to be kidding me. Somebody messing with that clock. Somebody. Just then, one of the Israelite men brought a Midianite woman into his tent right before the eyes of Moses and all the people. The people were, <laughs> they were sinning against God and they were under a curse because of it. The plague was going around. And this guy's going to bring a, a Midianite woman, which they ain't supposed to be intermarrying or having sex outside of marriage. They've got all this sexual stuff going on that's making God mad, in other words. And this fella going to bring his Midianite girlfriend right in front of Moses while they're in the, at the tabernacle praying and weeping and trying to pray over this stuff and asking for forgiveness. It says, as the people, everyone was weeping at the entrance of the tabernacle. And when Phinehas, son of Eleazar, and grandson of Aaron, the priest, saw that, he jumped up. Say, jumped up. See, jumping up will help you out in this life. He jumped up and left the assembly. He took a spear and rushed after the man into his tent. Phinehas thrust the spear all the way through the man's body into the woman's stomach. I don't know what, why they was that close. I don't know if, how long he waited after they went in the tent. <laughs> and so the plague against the Israelites was stopped. But not before 24,000 had died. See, we're living in a period of grace. But you go back to the Old Testament and you see what the wrath of God is supposed to look like. And we thank God that the wrath of God doesn't abide on us anymore because of what Jesus did. But the wages of sin is death. And these people were sinning before God and Moses and them crying out to God and then somebody going to come walking up in there with his Midianite woman. You know what? Phineas 
I'm not saying nobody get a spear. But you need to, you need, we, we do have a sword. We do have a sword. And we need, to, we need to run sin right out of our life with it. And we probably need to help somebody else. If, if, if we can get the, the beam out of our own eye to see clearly enough to get the speck out of their eye, we need, to, we need to get the beam out of our eye so that we can help somebody else. Don't let sin have any way. Jump up and thrust it out of your life. As I've come to know the Lord, I just got where I don't hardly let Slewfoot steal my joy anymore. See, when you... Man, I am just preaching long. None of this comes to me while I'm writing the message. It's, most of this just is on the fly, you see, so I end up talking too much. But... I forgot what I was going to say. Good. We'll move on. Luke chapter 6. We're about to close. Luke chapter 6. Huh? I'll jump right now. I ain't afraid. I ain't scared. There's nothing Slewfoot can do to steal my joy anymore. What I was going to say is when you die to yourself, remember that first scripture? Jesus said to give up your way. In one place, in another translation, it says when you die to yourself. When we die to ourselves, you, you can't do anything to harm a dead man. He's already dead. And so I have died to this life. And that's the way i got to look at it. No matter what happens to me, I'm already dead. And I'm, I'm in a new kingdom. I'm, I'm seeing myself in a new kingdom. And so the things that happen in this world, it's just temporary. I'm not keeping my eye on it. Luke 6, 22, Jesus said, What blessings await you when people hate you and exclude you and mock you and curse you as evil because you follow the Son of Man? Anybody know anybody like that at your job or? I see a lot of news anchors that kind of feel like that. When that kind of stuff happens, when you're persecuted, be happy. Yes. Leap for joy. <laughs> for a great award awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancestors treated the ancient prophets the same way. You're not the first one to be persecuted. We, we don't know nothing about persecution around here. If somebody says, I don't like Christians, we're like, oh. <laughs> we got it so good. We need to be the leapingest bunch ever was. We need to jump smooth on in the river. Okay, so I was on that 25-foot cliff. What do you think I did? How many thinks I jumped? Man, I'm kind of afraid of heights. I'm real afraid of heights. I jumped. I went, and I had to tell myself, I was scared to do it, but I just thought to myself, I know people have done it before. 
And so that just tells me that there's no harm there, and it tells me that it's just fear stopping me. And at some point, Christians got to stop being fearful. You have to have, be faithful, not fearful. That's, I said, Lord, if you saved others, you'll save me, and I just did it. And it took me like 45 minutes to get it. <laughs> probably because I was flapping my arms so fast, you know. <laughs> but it took me like 45 seconds to hit the wash. But I had my big size 12 shoes on so it kind of took the brunt of it you know didn't hurt me or nothing I was like I came up yeah and I was so proud of myself I was going to go get back on the boat and tell everybody how I was the only one jumped off and then here come my three nephews they all jumped off like it wasn't nothing so there I was with nothing but (laughs) but I was happy for them we need to be happy for one another when we are able to conquer our fears any little success God can be trusted to catch us when we jump out into his arms right even when we jump out into the unknown because guess what his arms are there too second timothy 1 12 says for i know in whom i have believed and i am persuaded that he is able to keep that which i committed unto him against that day he's a whatever i put in his hands he's got me He upholds me with his strong right arm. So don't be afraid. Whatever you're facing, it's going to be all right. It may be a test, but you come out of the test stronger. You know, it just develops patience and perseverance and character and creates in you a trust and strength in God that you know everything's going to be all right the next time. Next time it gets there, you'll be more thinking along the lines of Gary. You'll be looking for... The blessing to come. Instead of the heartache, you won't be looking for the negative. You'll be thinking, God's going to bring me out of this too. Watch. Expectations, what it's called. Jesus jump-started your life, and we need to be all in. We need to be all in, not just a toe. You know, I'm one of those people that go to the swimming pool. I got a swimming pool. I won't get into it until about mid-July or something because I don't like cold water. But when I get in it, you know, it's usually one of those, I put my ankles in on the first step, then I wait for 20 minutes, and then I get in on the second step, because I don't like it on my back. Boy, once it gets above here, it's, woo, you know, and so I'll just splash a little on me and stuff and take one step. We ain't got time for that in our Christianity. Time is short, the fields are white to harvest. We got to splash on in. We got to suck it up. We got to go in. Head over heels if you have to. We got to get in the water. We got to trust Jesus. Our hearts jumping for joy like those happy cows. <laughs> Just looking to see what it's going to do next. What, is, what are you going to do next, God? No, no sickness, no sin, no persecution. The devil can't steal our joy. We can't give him an inch. We can't give him anything. He doesn't operate in the river. He's scared to go near the river. Stay in the river. <laughs> I know my Lord can be trusted with what I committed to him, and it's time to jump into that river of life. Amen. Well, that's all I got to say about that. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. 
For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.